just by way of introduction to the sermon, we will not be in Proverbs today, but we'll be in 1 Timothy today for our commissioning service. I wanted to preach to you a word from one of the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles or letters are 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, and they're all together at the end of the New Testament. Um, These are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to church leadership, specifically to two pastors, Timothy and Titus. And I thought it'd be appropriate for us to look in one of these books for a word written specifically to church leadership as we pray for and commission church leaders for this year. So I didn't get very far. Um, In fact, I only got into the first two verses, which is just the greeting of 1 Timothy chapter 1. So we're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Now this is aimed at those who are serving in specific leadership roles this year, but it applies to all of us. So there, there is nutrients here for each and every one of us, guidance, direction for each and every one of us, because as I've told you before, we all make up the body of Christ. Each of you has an important function in the body. There, there is no extra part here. We are all necessary. And just because you're not serving in some official capacity doesn't mean that you're not serving in a very important capacity. Even if it's not as official as being a teacher or a house-to-house host or a, a uh, worker with the children in the nursery or something like that, just you being an encourager, just you being a prayerful, prayerful person, um, just you being a godly Christian serves an important function in the church. So this applies to everyone, though it is aimed at our officers this year. So we're going to read this greeting. This is how letters were introduced back then. We might introduce a letter, dear such and such, I'm writing because of this. They began the letter by saying who it was from. So he writes, Paul, he's the author of the letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. By command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, this is just an introduction to this letter, but I think if we'll just camp out here, it will be very helpful for framing the way we think about our church and our role in our church. Even just the terminology he uses will be helpful. And the big idea, the sermon in a sentence, is simply, we serve Jesus. If you forget everything else I say, this is the big idea this morning. We serve Jesus. So at the very beginning of verse 1, as he introduces himself in this letter, he writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Paul views himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's not an apostle of himself or of the church or of any specific church. His apostleship is owned by, initiated by Christ Jesus alone. He's Jesus's apostle. And we can think of ourselves in exactly the same terms. So Mike is moderator of Christ Jesus He's not a moderator for himself. And in the most ultimate sense, he's not even a moderator for Doolin's Grove Church. He's a moderator of and for Christ Jesus above everything else, before everything else. 
Head deaconess of Christ Jesus. Head deacon of Christ Jesus and so on. We are not our own. Our service is not our own. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Now this gives us a great source of power and purpose in our serving. Um, It's easy to run out of steam when you're serving in these roles. And one thing I just have to say again as a word of gratitude, I get to do this as my job. I get to serve in the church as my profession, my vocation, which is such a blessing. And I recognize that all these folks, they're working some very demanding full-time jobs, and many of them have families that they're tending to at the same time. It's hard work serving in these roles alongside everything else going on in life. And it's easy to, to run out of steam, and it's easy to forget our purpose. But if we will keep in mind that we serve Jesus we will find a deep source of power and a deep source of purpose for our work. And it'll energize us to serve really well this year. So we need to remain rooted down into Christ and aiming up at Christ in everything that we do. I want to read to you from John chapter 15, a familiar passage. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine... This is Jesus speaking to his followers. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we can work really hard in all these roles, but apart from Christ, it will be fruitless nothingness. We can do a lot of tasking, but apart from Christ, it's not spiritually and eternally fruitful. But if we will remain rooted down into Jesus Christ, it will be fruitful. And, not, and beyond just ourselves and our church, it will be fruitful for the glory of Jesus Christ himself. No matter how mon- mundane the role may seem, it is spiritually significant if it's rooted down in Jesus Christ. We also need to aim up at Christ. And I'd like to read to you under that point, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. I'll start at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the way we want to serve is we want to serve Jesus through the power of Jesus for the glory of Jesus. When we serve under our own power, we can get the glory. When we serve under the power of Doolin's Grove Church or under the banner of Doolin's Grove Church only, then Doolin's Grove Church could get the glory. And in either way, that's a counterfeit of true service. That's a a mistake. We don't want to do a really good job in our roles so that Doolin's Grove Church looks good or so that we look good. We want to do a really good job so that God himself looks good, so that he is glorified. We want our service to be worship, not just self-service. So this means that the most important aspect of your service in these roles is not your performance on the board or your performance on the job. The most important aspect is your heart toward Jesus Christ. You remaining daily rooted in Christ, daily in your word, Daily abiding in him, walking with him, daily aiming for his glory. That's first and foremost in importance. It would be better to have that in place 
and only get one thing done in the year than to forsake this to do 20 things. Because that one thing will be more eternally significant and fruitful than all those 20 things done prayerlessly and spiritlessly and Biblelessly. So we serve Jesus. If you remember nothing else for this year in your service, in official roles or in unofficial roles, remember we serve Jesus. Now I want to show you two other things from this passage that I have found fascinating this week. One of them is, these are just two reminders of how we serve Jesus. And they're very simple, but we forget them so quickly. So we serve Jesus. And how do we serve Jesus? Number one, we serve as servants. We serve Jesus as servants. Look back at verse one there. The way Paul understands this, his service in the church. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. We have to be careful that we don't allow the language and thinking of volunteerism to cheapen the rich biblical idea of servitude. See, the biblical concept isn't that we are volunteers, it's that we are servants. And volunteers and servants are not the same thing. Not by a long shot. Volunteers serve by choice. Servants serve by command. Volunteers serve by power of their decision to serve. Servants serve by obedience to their master's decision for them to serve. Volunteers operate by their will, what they choose to do, want to do, prefer to do. Servants operate by someone else's will. And in this case, by God's will, what he wants us to do, what he prefers us to do, what he decides that we do. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, sure, but this is the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary, the greatest minister the church has ever seen. So, yes, God did pluck Paul up and command him, you will be my apostle. If if you know Paul's story, he persecuted the church. He killed Christians. And then God saved him in a dramatic way and put him in the church as the apostle Paul. So you might feel like, well, his role is so much more significant than my role. I'm just a teacher or a helper or an administrator or something. I'm not anything like the apostle Paul. So surely mine is more like volunteerism than his. Surely I have a more of a choice in what I do because what I do is just not that significant compared to what he does. But I have a rebuttal for you on that one. I anticipated that you would think that. And I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a great chapter for figuring out what your function in the church might be. But I'm just going to read to you verse 28. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, like Paul, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. What I find really interesting about this list is that it teaches that God appoints teachers in the exact same way he appoints apostles and prophets. 
that God gifts and calls helpers in the same way that he gifts and calls people with the gift of healing. That God puts someone in a position to administrate or, or oversee the details of something in the same way he puts someone who could speak in tongues. These, these gifts that we perceive as the super spiritual gifts are not, not different at all from the gifts that we perceive as more mundane. So if you serve in any of these roles, you are appointed by God. If you're gifted for any of these roles, you are appointed you're not a freshman in the gymnasium picking extracurricular activities, whatever looks good to you. There's a force beneath that, putting you in the positions that you're in. We are way more than volunteers. And I use volunteerism language because it's sort of inescapable. It's, that is our modern American way of talking. But you need to know that that's not the language scripturally. It's servitude language. And I think we'd probably do better if we transitioned to servitude language rather than volunteering language because it's just two totally different concepts, completely different. We serve Jesus, and we serve as servants, not as volunteers. Now, if that seems harsh or anything or cold, listen to the next point. We serve Jesus as servants, and we serve Jesus as family. So let's look back into Paul's introduction. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to, here's the addressee, here's who he's writing to, Timothy, my true child in the faith. Paul viewed Timothy not as his colleague or associate or volunteer, but as his true child, as his son, as dear family. So, we have to be equally careful about allowing nonprofit organizational thinking to cheapen our concept of our relationships in the church. We are not a nonprofit. We are not just another nonprofit organization. We are a church, which means we are a family. None of you are my colleagues or my associates or my volunteers. You are my brothers, my sisters. My mothers, my fathers, my sons, my daughters. This means that we should not just try to work together, but we should strive to love one another with brotherly affection because that's more realistic to our actual relationship. Those are not committees and boards. You are not committee members and board members. You are siblings, you are parents. Your children of one another. We need to operate according to that reality. So we serve Jesus. We will serve Jesus this year. And we won't do it as volunteers or as a nonprofit organization. We'll do it as a church. We'll do it as servants of Jesus Christ. We'll do it as family. And I want to leave you the way he leaves this introduction. To Timothy my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why Paul always operated when he wrote letters. He was always trying to give grace, mercy, and peace through Jesus to those he was writing to, whether it was a pastor or a church. And even at the end, he reminds them, let grace, mercy, and, and peace be, be with you. And that's what I want us to have as we enter this year. Grace, 
mercy, and peace. We have an abundance of all three in Jesus Christ. I'll read you one more passage. This is Ephesians chapter 1. This is one of those glorious, glorious passages in the Bible. I just want you to observe in this passage as we draw this sermon to a close. Look for the grace or the blessings that we receive in Jesus Christ. Look for the mercy or the forgiveness that we receive in Jesus Christ. And look for the peace, which another word for in this language would be wholeness that we receive in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So as you serve in these roles, you serve as one who has been lavished with grace, lavished with blessings, lavished with mercy and forgiveness, lavished with peace and wholeness. You have an abundant store of this to make you whole enough to serve without self-consciousness and selfishness, without pride or ego, without need to glorify yourself or our church. We are fully secure, fully embraced, fully accepted, fully blessed, fully gifted, fully called to serve for the glory of God himself. What an amazing thing we get to do this year. So this year, let's serve Jesus. Let's serve Jesus as servants. Let's serve Jesus as family. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be your people in your church. As we wade out into this new year together. Lord, may we serve this way, the way Paul did. May we view ourselves and each other in this way through a biblical lens. May we remember that we are not volunteers at a nonprofit organization. We didn't get in here into your church through an application, but through an adoption. Help us to operate as your sons and daughters, to work hard, but out of the joyful freedom of those who have been blessed and forgiven and made whole in Christ Jesus. In whose name we pray, amen.